Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. People can change anything they want to. And that means everything in the world. Show me any country and there'll be people in it. It's time to take the humanity back into the center of the ring and follow that for a time. You know, think on that. Without people, you're nothing. Without people, you're nothing. Stoke the fire. Jesse Leach, it's been a while, my friend. It has been a while. Yeah, I miss it, man. It's good to be back here on on here with you doing this. Uh, I definitely uh, feel the lack of stoke the fire in my life. Well, we need to stoke these flames, don't we? The fire's yes. been dying, so we've got to get these twigs <laughs> and we've got to rub them together with haste. Um, this is, of course, the second episode in our all-new format of the podcast where it's audio only from here on in. Uh, we will be, however, putting the raw, unedited videos from the Zoom chats on our Patreon page. So yet another incentive to support the show via patreon.com forward slash Stoke the Fire. There is only one tier now, one tier. Uh, the final tier, if you will, $5 a month to stoke the flames. Um, so, yeah, if you want to support the show, if you want to get loads of extra stuff, that's all it costs. And there's already tons of stuff on there. Loads of bonus podcasts, one-on-one chats with me and Jesse, listener episodes. Jesse's been on a bit of a, a hot streak as of late with just videos and spoken word poetry. And I love how creative you are, man. Like your contributions to that page are so well received by everybody on there. And I just love seeing how excited everybody gets whenever you post stuff and you never tell me what you're, you know, you're going to do. So I don't know. I just see them arrive on there the same time as everybody else. And I'm like, oh, no way. He's at it again. I even just put up a trip hop song recently. Just whatever I'm feeling, you know, if I'm feeling something, I'll just put it on there. That's what that page is for. You know, if I'm feeling creative or, or whatever, I just drop it on there just because I'm so grateful for you guys for supporting us. Hell yeah. Uh, and if you're not already, please do subscribe to the show as well. Um, because at the moment, everything is a little bit irregular. And I, I'm guessing as we go into summer, things are going to be as if not more irregular. We've got festival season coming up. Jesse's got a new album coming out. Um, so please do get over to wherever you consume your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. Hit follow or like or subscribe. And then that way, every time a new episode goes up, you'll be updated automatically uh, to your device or smartphone, etc. cetera. Uh, so you can keep up that way. And obviously, you know, if you're not already, follow us on social media too, as we post about the episodes on there as and when they happen. Uh, I just posted a photo, a still from, from one of the TV shows, which today's guest acts in uh, teasing this one because um, I'm always intrigued to know with a show, a film and, and, and series of shows like this is England, how, you know, well-known something so British as, as those amazing pieces of work are over in the US, but you're more than familiar with them, aren't you, Jesse? You, in fact, love them. And that was one of the very early things that you and I bonded over. Yeah, it's something I'll definitely get into as we jump into the conversation. Um, and it's a unique way that I got into it. So I'll explain that when we're in 
okay. conversation. Yeah. But is it known? Is it something that's widely known or is it more of like a cult underground? You've got to be in the know in the States. Yeah, I think I think it's definitely more of a culty thing than it is, you know, sort of something that, you know, people in the States talk about. But when you're in the know, there's a whole like the eyes light up and people are like, yes, like it's a thing. It's definitely a thing for sure. Well, without further ado, let's get the main man on the show. He's a good friend of mine. Uh, I got to see him just before Christmas at a gig, and it was amazing. We you know, had a great catch-up there. That's the first time we'd hung out in person in a good few years. Um, so, yeah, without further ado, Andy Ellis, actor, creative, and fellow podcaster as well. Uh, please flick on your camera and microphone, dude, and join us around the go. proverbial campfire. <laughs> there he is. What's up, dude? Hello, hello, hello. Hi, guys. Cheers for having us. Thanks for the uh, the kind words. Then I was sat smiling to myself. Uh, forgot the camera was off. I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> it was no camera, but yeah, doing the lovely kind up. words. So Jesse, Andy, <laughs> Andy, Jesse. Um, yeah, hi, pleasure. Hi. Let's jump straight in then. Before we go way back and, and and hear the timeline of your life, Andy, which is what we like to do here on the show from from birth to now. Oh, wow. Um, Jesse, very quickly, why don't you shed some light on how you discovered and became aware? Of, uh, of This Is England. Was it the film first for you or, or the TV show? Yeah, film first. Uh, so I very much connected to ska and reggae culture, skinhead culture, you know, actual skinhead culture, mm. punk rock. It's at my roots. Um, and I was on tour with my band, one of my bands called Times of Grace back in 2011. And our guy who was working with us was Lemmy from Motorhead's main assistant for eight years uh his name is dan halen that's his road name um and and we we got on really well really famously and he's super into the same types of music i am and a night we're out just having pints hanging out and he's like you ever watch this is england and i'm like no i have no idea what that is so on that tour back before you know, this is back before you know um you know netflix and all that shit um, we had hard drives where you'd plug your hard drive in your computer and steal a bunch of movies. So he gave me uh, the movie and then the, the television series. And that entire tour, as soon as I had a moment off stage, out of the shower, have dinner, I'm back in my bunk and the bus watching, like just Amazing. fucking obsessed with that show. <laughs> and then the soundtrack to it. And then when I was finished with all of it, I rewatched it. Like I just, it, became a thing where it sounds funny and i'm sure you've gotten this before where i felt like you guys were my friends like that show sucked me in so much that i I just like wanted to live in it i was like these people the way that this show makes me feel it's like i'm at home with my friends so i yeah to this day and i just been re-watching it recently because i knew we were oh, gonna nice. have you on and then listening to your podcast which is something i'll definitely get into as well there's a general feeling of just genuineness about you that i really love and can sort of relate to because you're not you know one of those actors or one of those people in industry that sort of puts on this persona you just seem to be what you see is what you get and that's really what i dig about you oh nice one man yeah I, th I think that was that was always the kind of the way obviously shane meadows cast the film um you know the majority of the cast weren't actors or were young you know working in like uh, acting workshops and, and things like that and um, but nobody was like a trained professional actor or, or anything like that we, you know most of us were, were sort of school age at the time 
Um, and and yeah, and I guess that's you know that's the thing that kind of comes across uh, again and again. People saying how authentic the friendship seems to be and stuff like that. And and I think it, it genuinely is because it is. You know, like obviously myself and and Thomas Turgus have a podcast, and you know a lot of actors will say, oh yeah, you know everybody keeps in touch and stuff like that. But we, you know, we genuinely do like that. This is England. Lot obviously a lot of people are are very busy. Uh, you know, even more so nowadays. But, you know, we, we speak, we've we been speaking today in a WhatsApp group. One of the girls runs a dance school. We're going to go down there in, in Derby and, and teach the kids and, and stuff like that. So, like, we are, you know, quite close, really. I, you know, that was my first job. But other jobs, you build very close friendships with people. And then you join, like, a WhatsApp group or whatever. And then after a couple of months, it kind of fades out. But, you know, the last time we filmed any sort of This Is England stuff was, you know, eight nine years ago now so it, it's still there you know that that bond's still there after after nine years since since we shot 90 anyway you know mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah and 90 was 90 was an intense one man that was an intense one shit yeah, do you have yeah, a whatsapp crazy. group oh this is england whatsapp group with all of you we do yeah we do oh, mate, that's amazing pretty much everyone's in there as well i think um you know obviously you've got like us younger lot but then i think like every now and again johnny harris is someone who'll We'll pop in and be like, "Sorry, guys, I've not spoke." But we probably do his head in. Do you know what I mean? When we get on a <laughs> bing, 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 a big bing, rant. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's amazing, dude. So, um, where are you from? You're from a, a kind of like a a small area just outside of Manchester, right? Uh, a big area. I'm from uh, it's, it's a place called Withenshaw. Um, it was. I always say this. It was at one point the biggest council estate in the world. Um, wow. But now because of politics and stuff it's kind of owned by um private companies and stuff it's still a council estate but it's owned by private entities and things like that so um but yeah great great town uh you know yeah i love being from here i love manchester and yeah and so a council estate for for people in america listening i mean would would (laughs) yeah me (laughs) does it just mean ghetto like what what would their equivalent be like projects would it be projects jesse like housing projects. Yeah, projects is the word for government-funded housing that allows people of low income to afford to live there. Yeah, projects. Yeah, so, I suppose it's a very similar kind of thing. Obviously, you know, um, when when this estate was built, like luckily, you know, looking out my window now, it's it's a beautiful place. You know, it it was built as a I think they called it like a garden city, um. So every uh council house that was built had a garden front and back or a yard front and back. Um, it's very green. There's a lot of parks and stuff, so it's nice. But ultimately, like a lot of them places, you know, um, it has its it has its very bad points, and and has in the past, you know, had quite some some dark days. But you know, it's it's kind of up and coming a little bit now. You know, as a lot of places in the UK sort of currently are, it's a little bit kind of getting gentrified a bit and stuff like that now. So you you obviously love it enough to to remain there, and you've got your own family now. You've got two kids. So have you have you always lived there, despite whatever work you've had going on? Has that always been home base? Yeah, yeah. Me and my um my wife, then girlfriend, uh, we moved to London, uh, two thousand and twelve. Uh, yeah, because it was the Olympics. Uh, yeah, we moved there two thousand and twelve. We lasted like nine months, ten months, and we're like. Wow. Nah, nah. There's no the the great thing about places like this, and I'm sure a lot of the a lot of the places that 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 Jesse will kind of know from from the states is, you know, there's a great sense of community in these places. People, you know, 
there's bad apples everywhere but you know genuinely a lot of people look out for each other a lot of people you know know each other and stuff like that and then when you know for me moving down south to, to london it was such a culture shock in the sense of like there was none of that there's no you know even with you know native londoners there's just no kind of sense of community or anything people just don't talk to each other there you know us northerners we love to get on public transport and chat to each other and you know stuff like that where that just doesn't happen down south <laughs> yeah i gotta say that uh, manchester is probably my favorite spot in england you know I, I obviously being a musician london was always the place we would go to go to go to and then when we finally started playing in manchester and had like a day off in manchester and i would go to you know on my day off went to see a show in manchester and it was like uh, i started to really understand that what you're talking about that culture it's mm. completely different from from london that's like people talking about new york you know when you mention new york people automatically think new york city and i lived there for a while too but now i moved up to woodstock i'm up in technically the country up in the mountains mm. the, the community that's here is just everything i was missing so much it's so isolating it's funny you're surrounded by all these people in a big city but it can be very isolating for sure so moving is huge so i love yeah. to hear that you went you went back that's beautiful yeah i mean you know it, it, the main thing that kind of encouraged our move back was that kind of sense of community and stuff because both me and my my, my wife you know we, we love you know both our families are from this area you know we grew up around around here and all our friendship groups are, are predominantly around here so it was none of that you know we both worked in in london and stuff but it's a big place everybody's scattered out and and, and things like that where yeah Manchester, even though it's a city, um, I think still retains a lot of that good stuff, like you were saying there, you know, a lot of that kind of sense of community, I think. And and the north of England in general, you know, Liverpool has to be one of the, you know, best cities in my opinion, um, both, you know, for cultural, um, you know, music and, and things like that. And then, again, that kind of sense of community that you find in them cities is just amazing, yeah. Mm. Jesse, why don't you tell Andy the story of your um, kind of memories of, was it Philadelphia? Uh, yeah, one of the many places I lived in, but yeah, Philadelphia. Where you, you had the drug dealer who was kind of looking out for your family because he, res <laughs> he respected your dad because he was like, you nice. know, the, the pastor guy. Because and, and, yeah. Andy's a huge, huge hip-hop fan as well, so I'm sure you two will have a lot to talk about in regards oh, to Oh, yeah. Jesse was into the whole breakdancing scene and everything back oh, in the cool, day. Oh, cool, man. <laughs> yeah, they used to call me little man. So um, basically, my dad, through most of my life, was, you know, seeking God. And we would just uproot and leave places so he could study and earn his degrees and start churches. It was a whole crazy childhood that I, you know, that, that's a whole other story. But living in Philadelphia in the 1980s, when that explosion was happening, and as yeah. Matt mentioned, we lived in a predominantly poor difficult crime ridden neighborhood being the only white family too in a, a very black neighborhood so back then in that era there were radicalized groups that didn't really like the fact that we were living there they wanted whitey out <laughs> so oh, wow. so our next door neighbor is an old, older lady named mary and her son was named moses biblical names and moses was a pimp okay yeah, and a drug dealer, apparently. And he used to carry around a sawed-off shotgun underneath his trench coat. 
And I just knew him as Uncle Moses. He would escort us around to the train stop, to the grocery store. Moses was around, but he was protecting my family. And down the street at the corner store there um, is the first time I saw breakdancing. And I used to go there all the time and watch as like, you know, the early stuff, you know, the robotic sounding stuff like Houdini and like, you know, when Beastie Boys were just coming out and run DMC, like I was living through that as a little, little kid, five, six years old, watching that explosion happen. Unreal. That's amazing. That oh, yeah, is, it was. Honestly. Yeah. I mean, you were saying earlier on, you know, how you connected with This Is England and, you know, you'd, you'd have loved to kind of live that. You know, I was, I was going to say like, not many people want to live in the UK in the 1980s. It was very, but, you know, again, like it, it was the same in the States with, with, with Reagan and, you know, Thatcher doing what they did um, very similar kind of uh, politics and stuff. Um, but yeah, like that, that just fascinates me. Things like that, you know, that kind of birth of, of, of hip hop is just, yeah, incredible. And how that, how that, like any music really, how it spreads and catches the ears of, you know, I've always said this, like I'm a, a, a white working class lad from the north of England, but my music taste is that of the same as you who lived there. Yeah. Do you know, and, and it's it's that's the beautiful thing about music, I guess, that it can connect people right across the world who have no other sort of interests or social, uh, you know, similarities. And and yeah, yeah, amazing, man. Yes, that's what's it. It's beautiful what culture can do, because I think that's what people miss when they talk about music, hip hop. And we can talk about, you know, the ska culture, the skinhead culture, the stuff that was in This Is England versus, you know, what hip hop was. It's really about the culture of working class. It's the culture of people who, um, I guess you could use the word, were less soft, you know, were poor, were were living check to check or living off government funding. So you have this desperation that was there, this tension. And I think because of that, and you can attest to the, I mean, we can all sort of attest this growing up around it is because of that, you band together as kids. You know, when I was a kid, we would go into like abandoned buildings and play hide and seek or make up games. And uh, we had a bond that I don't think would have been there had we been in a upper class situation, had we been sort of well off where we had all kinds of toys and whatever like we didn't have anything so you mm. go to the park and you grab a stick and that stick becomes your toy for the day and me and all my friends we like just became what we thought we were and that reminds me of that scene in and this is england where you know all the kids go into the field and they spend that day dressing up and just being kids that yeah. beautiful moment that was captured there so what was it like for you growing up in your neighborhood with with the kids that you hung out with, what, what kind of stuff did you guys do to sort of occupy your time or what kind of trouble did you get into? Very, very similar sounding to yourself, really. You know, I mean, I, I was always lucky. Like my mom and dad both, you know, worked very hard. So we, I was in no way kind of, uh, you know, we, we were looked after, me and my, my sister and stuff, you know, not by any means like rich, but, you know, we had nice things. We, um, you know, went went on holidays, vacations and, and, and stuff. But yeah, I mean, yeah, all sorts, really. I mean, I kind of grew up. I know Matt, we, we've spoke about this a little bit before because you're like quite friendly with the, the Dirty Sanchez boys. And, you know, I, I grew up on, on a diet of like um, jackass, Dirty Sanchez. So, you know, when when I got to like the age of, I don't know, 10, 11, you know, we were um, trying to skateboard. We were trying to 
you know, jump over each other and try, you know, intentionally hurting ourselves. But same thing, man. I mean, yeah, when you were saying there, like, you know, if there was a a property that was being built nearby, we'd be in there. We'd be like, I remember we bought, we built a a half pipe once, purely yes. from stolen um, uh, things from this like development of houses and i still go past them houses now and look at it and i think wow what like what great days but you know again playing a hide and seek and uh, we had the game i don't know if there's a, like manhunt sort of similar to hide and seek um <laughs> just a bit more yeah. ominous <laughs> just a bit more o- ominous <laughs> yeah um but yeah the same things man i i grew up kind of again withenshaw being quite green as well as a council estate um my kind of parents' house sort of faced like this field that has like a little sort of stream running through. Um, I mean, I paint a very nice picture of it there, but it's it, it it's not. It was full of like, if there wasn't a car on fire in it or like yeah. <laughs> litter or something, it, it was very, but we just used to, you know, climb trees and just, just, yeah, like you say, just entertaining yourself really, you know, and then obviously, you know, again, kind of growing up in the, in the nineties and, early 2000s obviously you know video games and and things like that obviously start popping up and stuff but um yeah man so it seems like a a very sort of similar thing you know you kind of create your own fun until your mum shouts you you're in it at night to to get ready for for bed and school the next day i guess yeah our our, ours was the street lights if the street lights came on that was when my mother expected us to come back in and as you get older you sort of disobey that and you know start to get into (laughs) you know, finding bottles of booze. And, you know, we used to do this thing in the States called Hey Buddy, where you'd go to a liquor store and, and you'd make friends with someone who was going in or out and then yeah. offer money to get you your booze and stuff like that. And that's when that shit started happening. I no longer cared about the curfew and I used to get in trouble a lot because of that. Same here, man. I mean, I remember um, sort of later years of high school. So for for um, over in the UK, that's like 15, 16 Right. Um, I had a uh, a family member who, because um, Wivenshaw's right close by to uh, Manchester Airport, and I had a family member that worked at the airport, and um, I don't know if I'm incriminating someone. Else, <laughs> um, the little kind of miniature Just leave the bottles, name out. <laughs> yeah, the little miniature bottles of like alcohol. Yeah, that, we you, call that them you nips. get on airplanes. Yeah, yeah little yeah. yeah. Um, so he'd have bags, and I mean like bin bags full of of them um and i remember one day just sort of saying to him i was like can i take a few of them and he's like yeah take what you want like i i can get more like it was a constant flow and i was like all right okay cool so i used to have this big chicago bulls coat and it had like <laughs> quite a load of like pockets again massive hip-hop child of the 90s obviously i probably you know. had the same coat as you dude <laughs> and i and it had some like inside pockets but i remember cutting a little hole there and i could fill this coat with like i think i used to go out with about 50 of these little bottles um to to my local um like local park and and sell them for for like a pound each um so like in my kind of on the the hustle so in my later years of high school on like a friday and saturday night i was known as like the guy to go to so we had we could bypass that kind of because we used to do that as well, like waiting for people to go in the in the yeah. store for you. Um, but obviously, that's kind of a you know a risky game sometimes. Um, but yeah, people just were like, Andy's in the park. 
I'm going to go and buy five pounds worth of like hard liquor as well. Like it was, you know, it was vodka and, and all that and, and, and stuff. But yeah. And then in school, obviously throughout that week, I was, you know, I was spending my dinner monies. <laughs> Living like a king. <laughs> I was, I was probably doing better then than I am. currently. <laughs> we had a good hustle going on, man. So when does, um when does the acting bug? hit you is it a movie is it a tv show is it like a, a theater production you yourself get involved in like when does that present itself as you know not even a career but just something that you could see yourself falling in love with and getting into yeah so i i had again i'm i'm probably a, a little bit sort of younger than than yourself jesse you saying that you grew up in the in the 80s i was born 1990 um so a lot of my music taste and stuff Stuff. I shouldn't have really. It's kind of a bit of an older taste, but that's because I grew up with my older cousin. Um, he's like seven years older than me, so he'd probably be a sort of similar sort of age to himself. Um, and he got me into hip hop. He got me into you know, um, all sorts of things. But one thing he got me into was like films. Good, like you know. I mean, I remember being like five or six and watching, you know things like Forrest Gump and just things that I shouldn't really be sort of watching at that time. Not in any, you know, not like grotesque horror films, but, you know. You're not watching future, Irreversible just, just, or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, you know, cool sort of films of, of the day um, that I probably would have missed out on otherwise. Um, and I just I just fell in love with that. And one of one of the things that he kind of, he got me into was Friends. Um, and again, I was probably too young to be watching it, but um, I remember just one night they did like a, a a couple of episodes where they were in London, um, and he, I don't know if he bought, I think he had it, and I kind of borrowed it, and I've still got it, and this was twenty, nearly thirty years ago now, maybe, um, but he had like a book uh, of all the behind the scenes stuff and stuff of that couple of episodes of Friends in London, and it had like scripts in there, um, like you know, like the the shooting scripts and stuff like photocopies of, of that. And I just remember just reading it and just, just falling in, in love with that. Um, and then when I got into high school, uh, I, I had an interest in it. I was, I was a very loud, uh, kid. I was the, the class clown and, and stuff like that. Um, and then I remember there was a, there was a girl in the year above me who did dance and drama and I didn't fancy dance, so I was like, I'm going to go and do drama because I need to like be in the same sort of environment as this girl. And then, yeah, fell in love with the 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 the, the drama, the acting side of things. Um, never got the, that girl, luckily, because <laughs> now I've got a beautiful wife. But, you know, I, I and followed it purely again because, I was yeah, I was like, I, 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 I want to be in that room. And then started to kind of just really enjoy it. And it was a great outlet for me because, as I say, you know, I was a very loud, very, you know, um, probably annoying to quite, well, definitely annoying to quite a few teachers kind of kid because I was quite quick as well and quite smart. Um, yeah, and then, yeah, found acting and just loved it, really. I was then that kid who was sort of doing, you know, school plays and, and, and um, you know, drama club and, and things like that and then kind of got a few of my mates involved because a few, you know, I was always kind of <clears throat> popularish. I was quite friendly with everyone because I was funny and stuff. A lot of my kind of like 
the 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 kind of football lads. I'm sure like the jocks, um, who I was quite pally with. I kind of dragged a few of them over because at first they were like, oh, it's for girls or whatever, and I'd always be like, well, who's your favorite actor? You know, and they'd come at you with like a Sylvester Stallone or something. You're like, well, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a red blooded man, right? You know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> dragged them over, um, and yeah, yeah, um, fell in love with it. Really, it's just just a, an outlet to be creative and um yeah yeah i have the same story really um my first love was theater uh my uncle was a filmmaker and i grew up you know in the 80s with such fun good films mm. and i don't think i really knew who i was until i got into the drama kids which is what we were called because through that through drama is where i discovered good music like music that was yeah. not just the mainstream pop stuff so theater was my gateway to do what I do. And, you know, my friends and we would we do the school plays and then we would, you know, watch a movie and analyze it. Like the Breakfast Club was actually our theater teacher made us watch the Breakfast Club and analyze that movie oh, nice. from the flaws to the continuity. So whatever. And then doing, you know, um, I, I forget the name of it, but essentially freestyle acting as exercise like improv uh, improv and yeah. man i loved that shit we used to all just smoke weed and do improv and like that's when i found my tribe my people so i love yeah. that you and what a great age to get into it too because you really sort of you you have these bonds that you get with the people when you do stuff like that that sort of protect you from you know I, you said you, were, you got on pretty well with the jocks i didn't so i had my pr protection with the freaks and geeks and weirdos and that was definitely all in drama yeah, yeah. I mean, like you say, I think, you know, my, my kind of getting on with, with them kind of guys was more because I could just make everyone kind of laugh. And that was it. And that was my protection, being yeah. a big lad. I've always been a, a big, a big lad. So that obviously in earlier years, I'd get the comments, I'd get the bullying. And I quickly realized that, okay, if I can just make them laugh and, and mm. kind of keep them kind of, you know, then they'll leave me alone and they'll go and you know, deal with someone else. But yeah, exactly like you say, yeah, it's finding your tribe, you know, and especially like, you know, I think everybody pretty much has that like one teacher um, who you just always remember who kind of helped you and stuff. Um, and that that was my drama teacher. Like she was amazing. Like I remember my first kind of time at drama club. And I, again, I was like, what, first year of high school, like 11. Um, and she swore. And I was like, whoa. And I respected it because that's yeah. how people talk. That's how everybody I know I grew up like, you know, um, my parents, my grandparents, everybody swears um, in, in, in my real life, except these figures of authority, these teachers who kind of pretend. And that's one thing I've, I've always hated that kind of pretense of um, that people put on fronts. And I just remember she, she kind of swore and I was just like, yeah. I love you. Like you talk <laughs> like me. Like that's, you know. What was the realities back then? And maybe you could shed some light on what it's like now as well for people coming from backgrounds and areas where where you came from, trying to get into TV and film and professional acting because the avenues are pretty slim, aren't they? And you know, I mean, yeah. you you obviously hit the jackpot with with Shane and, and his, you know, his absolute attraction and fondness for that side of life and, and and you know that's really where he sits and explores all in all his work really but you know now it seems like working class filmmakers even let alone actors there's there's not really an outlet for them but when you were growing up what was the avenue into like 
was there any sort of hope that you could do this as a job was there any like reality that that could be a thing uh, for me like again you know i just did i never kind of I, I wanted to be an actor like in, in my head going to drama club and i was like this is what i want to do um but you know again growing up in a, in a town where you know we've got a big hospital we've got an industrial area and we've got an airport and like if you don't go to one of them three things to work you kind of you work in a, a shop or whatever um you know, my school was great back in them days because we had a half decent government who kind of funded them a little bit better. And we had uh, our, our my school had like a, a speciality in performing arts. And um, so they got like government money and built like a drama studio and a dance studio and stuff like that, which was, you know, looking back now was like probably what kind of gave me that little bit of a nudge up. Um, but um, for me, the only other person I could ever compare, there was a, there was a, a lad who was in, um, he was in a few years above me. Like he kind of like left high school as I was coming into high school. Um, and he was, he, he was the lead role in a film called there's only one Jimmy Grimble. Don't know if you remember it. No, it was, it was basically, if you seen like Mike. Yeah. 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 With, with a uh, little bow wow. It was the same story. It was made a little bit before like Mike. It's this, mm. Uh, lad from a council estate who ends up finding this pair of football boots like soccer boots and they belong to this city play manchester city player from many years ago and it makes the like magic boots and they make him play really well um and and the 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 guy who, who was the main um the lead in that who played jimmy grimble uh he was he was in my high school like I say he kind of left as i was coming in and I that was the only kind of reference I had to. Oh, this could be a thing. This could be uh, achievable because uh, his name's Lewis. Lewis has done it. Um, and then you know, but then still seeing the kind of realities of it. I remember one time, and I've told him this story a few times. I remember he was um because he kind of quit acting after that. Um, but I remember seeing him cutting um, like mowing my uh, friend's neighbor's front garden, and I was like, what? Why is jimmy grimble cutting next door's grass and my mate was like oh no he just don't do it anymore so like oh as well as having that kind of like oh someone's doing it there was still that kind of like someone's tried from here and hasn't quite done it um but i think yeah i think you're right matt there was definitely a little bit more of a a hope there i think for for you know working class people to get into it i think a lot of that kind of got took away in the past sort of 10 years or so but it's kind of creeping back now you know for actors in 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 the north you kind of places to kind of cut your teeth in sort of tv and things like that were your things like uh, we have a, a tv show called waterloo road it's set in like a high school um and that that was great for kind of young new fresh actors coming in and then that got axed and got taken away so there was nothing really there it's recently come back which i think is great for young up and coming you know northern um northern actors but yeah i think nowadays it's 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 a strange one isn't it to, for filmmakers and, and and actors to kind of try and break into the industry at a time where you can easily be so creative because everybody's got a 4k camera pretty much in the in the pockets nowadays you know um and i've always been a big big advocate of that like I remember watching when when I when I filmed uh, this is England. Um, I was I was fifteen, so I had to come back and do like the sort of last half of the the year of high school, 
um, and I fell in love with obviously the, the the acting side of it, but also watching Shane create. And I kind of came back going, I want to, I want to do that. Like I want to make films. I want to explore that side of it as well. Um, and then the same guy who got a lot of alcohol um, also got other things. And I, I remember like a little sort of, we, we got like a little. He sounds um, like a good guy to know. Yeah. He's a great guy to know. He's, he's the guy. Yeah. <laughs> I got like a little mini, um, like a webcam kind of thing. And I think it held like probably not even, I don't know, probably about 60 megabytes of storage. Um, and me and my friends made like a little short film on this and we just got into it, you know, and got creative and, 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 and flourish really. Um, but I guess, yeah, like you're saying, going back to your question, like we, sort of had that little leg up from the fact that my school had the facilities for that because I know nowadays you know um a lot of uh, you know the education system isn't focusing on the arts at all you know mm. um it's kind of pushing you know things like maths and english which are important but i think music are like you know what's the point in being able to count to a billion if you can't you know do it while listening to your favorite music or you know, watching your favorite show. Do you know what I mean? There's, there's no life without art, and it boggles the mind why it's not funded properly. But, you know, yeah, I think we... I think it's something that's taken <laughs> for granted for sure by people. <laughs> Film and music these days is just so accessible, and you know they have definitely uh, reduced it in schools, which is a, definitely a shame. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, is do you saying this is England was your first ever gig, like first paid job? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um I so basically well kind of. <laughs> so basically they uh there was a how I got into it, my school was used as like a a set um for this um drama series that they were filming. Um it was just like a one off little drama series. Um and it was shooting during the like the summer holidays <clears throat> and they they basically they were shooting in a school, so they needed the school being populated with students. So they asked if any of the students wanted to be extras, uh, background artists. So a lot of us like were like, yeah, I think we got paid like £30 a day. Um, and it was during the, the holidays anyway. So a few of us went to that. Like, Well, quite a lot of us went to that and did that and got an experience of being on set as a supporting artist. Um, and then... From that, like I, I said earlier, you know, I, I was the drama club guy and stuff like that. Um, I think the producers of that were kind of like, okay, there's a there's a source here, like an untapped source of kids who want to be in things. Um, and they sent a few kind of audition things over. Um, and one of them was was this this TV thing called Bulldogs, um, about skinheads in the 1980s. Um, and then I went to the audition, and it turned out it was all kind of cloak and dagger and it was a a tv a film sorry this is england um although i think it was called bulldog at the time um and yeah auditioned for for shane i think it was again in the it was in that sort of same kind of summer holiday um period and uh yeah yeah it was that it was all uh, the auditions and and the film etc is is very um heavily improvised which was something again, Jesse, like I, you know, I, I loved in the, in the drama, like just being able to be free and make things up. Um, and so, yeah, I ended up, I ended up getting that part. Um, I had to go away and do my first kind of, it was like the last year of high school. I had to go away to, to Nottingham for like three or four months and film. This is England and have a, you know, 
an amazing time um, for being such a young age. Um, yeah, you're right then, on the cusp of your adolescence, aren't you? And what an amazing project to find yourself in, um, you know, because not only is it obviously an amazing piece of work and you got to work with beautiful and, and talented people, but you're actually making a film about what you yourself, not directly, of course, because you're not exposed to certain themes, but, mm. you know, you're on the cusp of, of your adolescence and the whole film really from your character's point of view is about exactly that. Yeah, so yeah, you yeah. channel all your experience into this thing. Yeah, it was, you know, again, I think that's, you know, the clever thing that, that Shane did. He did cast from, you know, council estates. He did cast from, like, Thomas Turgus, you know, he was sort of street cast from uh, a centre for, for kids that just give up on school, that have just gone, I'm not I'm not fit there. I don't fit there. So they go to this kind of centre. Um, and and I think that's just the genius of it because then he gets real cheeky little shits. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's, I love that's what you want. I love the story about Thomas, obviously, which has been widely told that he goes yeah. up and he's like, "Well, you got to pay me, you know, if if I'm auditioning, you got to pay me." And he's like, "Give me a fiver." And Shane was just enamored with the cheek of the lad, wasn't he? He was like, "That's that's my guy right there." How yeah, did you think... how did you get on with him when you first met him? What was your initial exchange like? So again, I didn't have a I didn't know who anyone was. You know, I'd not seen any of shane's stuff because he, he, even here in the uk then like shane's stuff up to that point was very kind of cult you know it was very you had to be in that kind of club to know of shane meadows and the people who did were like you know loved him rightly so um but yeah like i i, I didn't know who anyone was in the room um i remember so i went in and I think part of the part of the reason as well, I always kind of think that I sort of got the part in the same way that I think Shane saw that cheekiness in Tomo. Um, I think he was he, he's just a genius man, and and I I went to that audition, and again, like I was, it was the you know it was the middle of like July or August, and I had like a Chicago Bulls jersey on, you know, probably a pair of Jordan, like stuff that's like cool now. But like, you know, in the early 2000s, I stuck out like a sore thumb. But that's just like how me and like a couple of my friends dressed because we loved hip hop and we, you know, we loved all that. And I think Shane just spotted that and was like, oh, well, I'm making a film about subcultures, essentially. And this kid gets it, you know. Um, but I remember um, I had to do a, I had to do an initial sort of improvisation with uh, a couple of actors. And I was auditioning for the part of... Um, the bully at first who later became Harvey in the, in the series. Um, and then I got asked to come back to, to then audition for gadget that sort of same day. <clears throat> and when I went and like sort of was speaking to, cause my mum took me to the audition and she was like, Oh, um, the cameraman said you were doing really well. And I was like, what cameraman? And she like pointed over and I went, and it was the one person I did know who was in that room. And I went, that's that's Stephen Graham, that mum. That's that's not that's not the cameraman. I've been acting with him, and she was like, "Oh well, he's been singing your praises." But like, you know, again, we just didn't have a clue. You know, I remember when I got offered the part, um, my mum, we were like, well, "What do we do now?" Like, we got the call, and it was like, "We'd love you to be a part of the film." And then someone, I can't remember who, but someone was like, "Oh, well, you've got to have an agent. You're an actor." So my mum rang up an agency, like a local agency, <clears throat> and was like. Oh, you know, my son would love representation, and they're on the phone going, "Yeah, okay." And then um, she was like, "Yeah, no, he's just he's just got this part in a film," and they're like, "Okay." 
and uh, what's the film? And my mum was like, it's someone called Shane Meadows. And they were like, okay, yeah, we can see him. We can see his son. <laughs> <laughs> when's he free? <laughs> yeah, when's he free for an initial meeting? <laughs> so you, you mentioned Stephen Graham, and I, I really think it's important for anyone who hasn't seen uh, This is England, which you need to see. But um, Stephen comes to mind. Joseph comes to mind. Vicky. These are all names of, like, to me, actors who are just incredible and steven in particular he made his character made me so uncomfortable when i first watched mm -hmm. the movie he nailed that part so well to the point where if you know anything he's done before and then since then it's unrecognizable to who he kind of is or, or the characters he's played what was it like being around someone like him for example and having to act around him and did he stay in character? Was there any method stuff going on? Were you, was he chummy? Like, how did that work? Because his character in particular, <clears throat> I think, was kind of, he freaked me out, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Steven is the most loveliest bloke in the world. He is honestly the nicest guy you'll ever meet. Um, but yeah, obviously, he, he, any room that he walks into, like, he, he's, that's his room now. You know, he's just got that presence of, a, a, you know, an amazing actor and a, just, an, you know, a really big presence. <clears throat> and, yeah, I mean, it's it's weird in, in a way because it, he's not really overly method, Stephen. Um, and obviously my character's um, relationship with Combo is that of, I like him, you know, Gadget yeah, yeah. ultimately joins that gang because he's like, I like what you're saying. I think this is more fun. I'm sick of being bullied myself. I'm sick of people taking advantage. And this is obviously Gadget's thoughts. And, you know, it gets turned on to um, Im immigrants and, and, and stuff like that. Um, and so I I just remember having the best time on set with, with Stephen and Tomo. Because obviously, like, Tomo, like, Tomo, uh, Thomas Turgus, I know, like, he looks about 10 in the movie. Yeah, yeah, right. But we're only, like, a, a school year apart me and tomo like we're not that i think he's like 31 now i'm 32 so we're quite similar in age obviously we look massively different um on on the film um so we just had a ball with him because he just he did we call him granddad because he was just like that fun granddad that you that mm. you you got to kind of mess around with but when those scenes when he switches like there's the scene his face he just he embodies it it's fucking yeah. crazy yeah and 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 when he does that when you're on set you see that and it is terrifying like the scene where um there's 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 a couple of kids playing football and he takes the ball of them and his his line is something like go home mummy's cooking curry he like because just before that you know on cat you know we were all having a laugh and having fun and i think in the scene like we come over and we're kind of kicking the ball about a bit and then he just changes and his ability to do that is like second to none like you know mm -hmm. Stephen is rightly so um becoming that kind of sort of like leading man but he is one of the best character actors I've ever he just loves he embodies I was lucky enough to work with Stephen again uh last year 
Um, on that a, that on video you just posted is so funny. Have you jumped? When out I scared him, <laughs> <laughs> and he just goes to punch you, doesn't he? He's like ready he to go. Went to, he went to punch me <laughs> and realised and stopped. Yeah, and we had an in-depth conversation about that after. You did, but yeah, you know, I, I, I got. I was lucky enough, obviously, you know, for an actor like Stevens again, remained a, a great friend from from all them years ago. You know, we shot the film in like two thousand and five. Um, and is, has remained a great friend. You know, I've I've watched his kids grow up, you know, and, and stuff like that. And and to get the chance to work with him once is like the best thing in the world. But then to get the chance to work with him again, um, is just amazing. And 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 that kind of difference, like I remember, like you say, like I remember watching him as a kid. Um, and every all of us untrained and actors. We'd be running around, you know, off camera. And then as soon as they said go, we'd kind of whatever. But Stephen would always, before any take, just sit and just focus himself. And at the time when I was a kid, I didn't know what that was. I didn't get it. I was like, what? what is he doing? Um, but as I've got older and then, you know, getting the chance last year to work with him again as an adult, it, I got it. I was like, he's focusing himself he's be and that's what makes him great because when you're on a film set and it'll be i'm guessing it'll be the same when you're on a tour or whatever there's so much external stuff going on you've got you know on a film set you've got people talking about a scene that's five days away you've got someone asking you what do you want for your lunch and all that kind of crazy stuff and it's easy to forget that you just need to be in this place at this time right now you know, if you're on stage, you just need to be at, on that stage performing to that crowd right now, not thinking about the gig in three weeks that, you know, that, that may or may not happen or whatever. Um, and Stephen's, you know, so good at that, so good at just zoning in that focus and it shows. Yeah. And yeah, it's something that, again, watching as an adult, you go, that's one of, one of the many things that projects him. Mm. <clears throat> Yeah, I like how you mentioned, um, and I see this throughout your work, you mentioned humor as being your sort of um, protection. And I find that with, you know, watching the movie and, and the TV show, I think even too is super important. I think for anyone who hasn't seen the TV show versus the, the movie, that comedy that your character brings. And then I think even I would say with Joseph's humor as well, there's different types of humor that's being used your character to me just brought this kind of joy to the scene more than any other character did did that come i think that would just come natural to you you know the way you interact with with your characters how much of that was scripted how much were you able to just be yourself in those moments you know i think of moments when you're wearing like the sweater and you've got the mustache and you're <laughs> you're dating the older lady and like the whole thing where it seems like people are constantly busting your balls but you're taking it well and it just feels natural so was that just you sort of <laughs> tapping into that's who you already are or how did that work a little bit i guess i think the, the kind of overarching theme for me for gadget is he wants to be liked he wants to be loved. Um, we've spoke. I spoke with Shane loads about, and we do a lot of this because um, because we get to bring a lot to our characters in terms of improvising and bringing, you know, finding backstory and stuff. There was always this thing that Gadget lived with his 
his his like grandma, and for some reason there was no parents, um, which is the complete opposite to me. Like I, you know, I, I grew up with a, a, a very sort of stable family, mum and dad, and and stuff, um, and he just has always been the butt of everyone's jokes and stuff like that. And he meets this gang. I, it, we always envision, I think, Gadget meeting the skinhead gang. You know, a year or so before Sean does, um, and he he's yeah he just wants to make them laugh he just wants to be involved with something and be liked to you know and then that was the obviously the the, the kind of crux in in the film where here comes this new kid who the fuck and and and, yeah, and yeah. he starts saying stuff and it's like whoa no 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 you know gadget was happy being at the bottom of a packing yeah. order <laughs> but someone else coming and straight away getting there that that yeah. doesn't happen yeah, um yeah. but yeah you know i think i think that's it you know i think Again, the genius of, of of Shane is he allows you to bring in uh, characteristics of yourself, and 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 again, going back to what you were saying earlier about you know uh, Combo and and Stephen's performance, you know, a lot of that was Stephen bringing. I remember there's there's it's been quite quoted quite often. Like there was a point when Stephen got offered the role that he rang Shane up terrified because he rang Shane up and he was like. I need to tell you something. And Shane was like, what, mate? What? What's up? And Stephen was like, I know I don't look it, but I'm mixed race. And Shane was like, what? And Stephen was like, yeah, like I'm a mixed race. Like you don't want me playing this horrible racist wow. person. It's like and Caribbean like, heritage, right? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. And and Shane was like, no, that, that adds so much. You know, let's, and that's the genius of him. Same with, again, with, with, with Joe, with with um, Joe Gilgan, who you mentioned there, like him, he is again that kind of person. That any room you're in with Joe Gilgan, that's Joe Gilgan's route. Like he is so funny and so, you know, batshit is the only way to describe Joe Gilgan. And that's a that's a coming from a a place of love. Like he is he is just batshit. Like whenever you're with him, you're having the best time because he's, he's kind just, of off grid as well, yeah. right? He's a bit of a mysterious sort of character, right? Is he a bit reclusive yeah. and kind of just yeah, very much so. Yeah, like he's probably one of the people from the cast that we don't interact much with. Um, but when you see him, he's like that kind of friend who, like, you know, I've got a friend who like left our school and moved to Wales, but he'll come back every now and again, and it's like he's never left. And that's what Joe's like. You know, mm. you might not see him for years, but when you see him, it's like you've not spent five minutes apart. Um, you know, and and again, him bringing in in the series and stuff like. He's got a parrot at one point. And that's because Joe bought a parrot and just <laughs> had this. This parrot was living with us. His name was Ian Green, named after Ian Brown, but because he was green. Um, and just literally, like, just a great guy to be around. And, 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 and he put that into Woody. I remember mm. when we were, because I got cast early on in, in the film, um, and I had to go up and down to Nottingham um quite a bit to workshop other actors um so we like workshopped another sean um and then we workshopped like another woody and the other it was like kind of between joe gilgan and this other guy and i think shane wasn't too sure what he wanted in this leader of the gang because the other guy was very much hard ass you don't mess with me kind of leader authority and then here comes joe gilgan who just makes you happy just makes you laugh. You want to be in his presence. You want to 
elevate him to leader because he's a great guy and that's you know ultimately what Woody is what Woody became um he is a leader because not because he's the hardest one or you know he's he's whatever he's the one that everybody's okay with being the leader because they just love him mm. you know so much and on the on the back of what we're talking about as far as comedy and in your interactions and using humor the one thing I really loved about the movie and the series is there's really touchy, hard subjects that are tackled um, between racism and abuse. And, you know, throughout the movie and the series, I feel like, you know, there are intense moments that happen. But I got to say, um, and this brought a depth to your character in the 90, uh, the This Is England 90 where you it's after the rave the morning after the rave and you're sitting on the grass um and i can't remember the the character's name but you know she had she had just you know had a a rough moment i don't want to give it away if if, if anyone who hasn't seen it you must watch it but i rewatched i'm getting goosebumps just thinking about that oh my god i (laughs) I rewatched just that scene last night because i was just kind of doing a little character analyzation of some stuff you've done and there I was without even being immersed into the series at all, just watching that clip on YouTube, just tears oh, streaming down my face, watching this scene because of the way you, it just felt fucking real. Like I felt like I was watching my friends. Like where did you tap into? Like how did you tap in from, from being this goofy character um, and sincere character, lovable character, but that moment on screen to me was that moment sort of like when when Jim Carrey does, you know, um, the Truman Show and you see, or, you know, Eternal, what is it, The Spotless Mind? I can't think of that name. Eternal of the movie. Sunshine, yeah. Yeah, so you see that moment of like, he's not just a funny sort of lovable guy. There's a dark depth and pain there. What? How did you tap into that? And And, and I would say, to me, that showed your... Um. Uh, your uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Your depth as an actor, and oh, that right. scene to this day, out of that whole series, all the dark, crazy stuff that happened, I love that scene probably more than any of them because it just oh, wow. <laughs> feels fucking real. Yeah, thank you, mate. That's that's beyond lovely. Um, yeah, I think that so, so the way I've again always kind of seen this is England because it's i've grown up on it i've grown up doing it you know we shot the film in 2005 and we shot 90 in 2014 so it was like 10 years that was my adolescence i spent my adolescence being gadget in a sense every few years we went and we did this um and for me each one is sort of like a chapter of my adolescence um the film, obviously, I was a kid. We were just having fun and just being ignorant to stuff. And then 86, you know, we were at that age where we could go out and drink. We could go out and party. And we did that as a cast as well as doing that on screen. Like, we yeah. had a lot of fun days on that one. Um, and then well, You all living together for that one. We all lived together in, in flats, yeah. yeah. And by the wow. end of it, we all owed a fair <laughs> chunk of money to put the flats back to how they were because they were like brand new build um and we all bought like paintball guns and things like that <laughs> and awesome. yeah there was like a used car sales thing over the road and yeah 
yeah, they did a fair few of them got got shot with paintball guns, <laughs> <laughs> um, and and just having again just that kind of dicking about, you know, and 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 stuff. And then eighty eight um, was a strange one for me and for Gadget because there was a divide in the gang, um, and Shane intentionally kept members apart. Wow, None of us yeah. were allowed to see Joe Gilgan during during filming. He was always taken away. Same with Vicky McClure, um, until we met again, um, and we had that reunion on screen. And then we can because it kind of he shoots a lot of it chronologically, which is unheard of in TV uh, and film. Um, is that the scene with, on the street, real quick, where you bump into each yeah, other? Yeah, we're that's, in like that's a, an amazing like scene, outdoor though. market. Honestly, yeah. that was the first time and i'd been acting at that point probably about 10 years and like i say we were separated from joe none of us could see joe me tomo uh, michael soccer etc we could do what we wanted when we were together um but we weren't allowed to go and play play with joe we weren't allowed to go and play out with joe which is genuinely what it feels like you know um and on that night when we had that scene afterwards like it was just an emotional scene and afterwards um shane kind of came over and he was like if you guys want to go out now like you can go out with joe go and have fun like that's fine we've got that scene in the bag and i lit and everyone was like buzzing and, and whatnot and i literally remember calling again my, my wife who was my girlfriend at the time and just being like i need i need you i need to cuddle you i need to like mm -hmm. I just I felt it. It was the first time I'd ever felt it. Whatever it is, that kind of realness, and it really affected me. It really got to me, and everyone else went and partied, and I just came back to Manchester from Sheffield and met up with my girlfriend and just had a cuddle, like mm. you know. Um, and then ninety for me, and I think where what you were talking about comes from during the filming of 90 so it was split up the filming of 90 because we had like a whole seasons thing each episode was a, a different season so filming was kind of we did a block sort of late summer and then we did a block like just before kind of christmas like early no after christmas sorry so i think we started in like september for the first block and we finished i know the date that we finished we finished on october the 4th um, and then we went back after Christmas and I know the date um, because my first daughter was born on October the 5th and wow. my kind of thinking of gadget at this point, because I was growing up, I was about to, you know, become a grown up, the most ultimate becoming a grown up of things you can do is I, I remember saying to Shane, like, I, I, when I'm, even though I, you know, he loves Kelly and, and, and has a, a romantic interest there more than anything he can put that in a shoebox here he just wants to look after her and when i'm talking i'm in my head I, I remember like i was literally channeling that fact because we shot them scenes and um, which i've got a funny story about but we shot them scenes um like october the third like there was a point where i think my little girl was due on like september the 28th and filming kind of went over and I was like two or three hours away from my wife and everything was obviously on a knife edge. And um, I just remember, yeah, trying to channel that kind of like, I'm about to 
become someone's, you know, carer, someone's everything, you know, and I'm going to try and put that into how much Gadget wants to care for Kelly. Um, so, yeah, it's nice to know that it came through. <laughs> no, it didn't. And even the fight scene that you have with um, uh, Michael's character, is it Michael? Yeah, Harvey. Yeah, yeah, Michael's like, yeah. That fight scene even is just <laughs> intense because it's like friendship and and, lo- and like you see the darker side of it and the anger and then your frustration in your character just yeah brilliant man and i, I like how you said that about woody too I've, i actually got like sick to my stomach during when you guys like, <laughs> i was like no it's like mom and dad fighting it was it it's was crazy horrible. though because i really think it speaks to it speaks volumes of the accuracy and the genuineness of that where like you know the small circle people i know that have seen those films and the tv shows it's it's like borderline obsession for for a while for for a lot of people because it just i don't know i I can't really put it into words it's just something that has been a part of my life especially when you're on the road and you're lonely you're missing home and you yeah you you put that on you connect it's like that's i think a true testament to the performances on that just incredible and to hear that backstory that makes a lot of sense. I can't imagine what that was like. It was crazy, man. It was, yeah, it was like you say, it's, it's and that's what you do as an actor. I think you try and channel, you, you want it to be real. You need to find a way to make it real. No matter, you know, I've never had a friend, luckily, who's been, you know, what she went through and become a heroin addict and, and things like that. So how do I make that real? How do I, you know, and then I'm going, well, I need to worry about it like I would worry about this child that's about to come into the, you know, yeah. um, it's, it's not great. It definitely messes around with the old uh, mental health sometimes. But I think that's, again, that's something, again, I've, I've probably learned off people like Stephen. You know, you need to make it real. Don't just say it because it's written down. Find a way to make that sound real, you know, make mm. it, make people feel it. And that's, that's you know, what would kind of, here to do i guess as, as actors um so do you, but yeah, you get people... that scene in the can mate and then literally go to the hospital to be there for the birth of your first kid like is that just a 24 Pretty hour much yeah so around? yeah so crazily enough so yeah so much like i say my wife was due on the 28th of september um and and i from obviously from that day on i'm like i've got to be going at any minute now and everything was and we're you know awkwardly enough that kind of week's block was that festival sort of thing that we're filming in that field where, you know, a lot of them, again, a lot of them people, them essays, the um, casting had not casted like essays. They'd gone and they'd found like pagans. They'd gone and they'd found um, people who uh, live in their kind of uh, vans that they've, you know. Like and travelers essentially, right? Travelers and, 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 and just people like, not not travelers in the sense of like um traveling community there was there was a few sort of people from the traveling community there but people who like just again like like you were saying sort of like the fringe of society the freaks and the geeks um and populated rather than populating it with actors pretend uh, background artists pretending to be that casting and shane were like no we want everyone to have the 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 gang to have this experience of being at this like eye-opening festival or whatever it was um so let's do it let's let's go and do that and you know we did uh, the way that shane shot that 
he had like I think we had about five or six cameras sort of roving round. The crew were kind of dressed up so like if they got caught, you wouldn't really notice it. And Shane basically, so because that was like a night shoot, and obviously all that day we knew that we were going to go and do this like party scene. So we reverted back to like what you were saying before, Jesse, like that kind of like, you know, when you used to go to the park or whatever as, as a kid and it was like, should we drink? Should we drink? <laughs> and um, obviously, because we, we were professionals as well, but we were like, we need a little bit of a drink just to kind of get in the spirit. And um, a few of us went to the shop and did that old thing where you'd kind of get a bottle of Fanta, pour half of it away, fill the rest with vodka. Nobody will know. You can't smell vodka, apparently. <laughs> and, and we were all like heading down to this party thing. Like I say, the shooting probably started at about like 9 p.m. because it was summer, so you get them long hours. And um, we were all like a little bit tipsy. And Shane just turned around to us before we started. And he went, have any of you had a drink? And we were all like, no, no, no. And he went, on his radio went can we get the cast some beers like we need yeah. to we need to be drinking man and we all just went shane we're pretty drunk man and he went yeah carry on carry on so we had a like that we had like again yes. we had this crazy intense like we had that experience you know it wasn't fake i went and got my cards read by some lady and again had this weird experience where she, you know she was flipping over tarot cards and going like you know, your life is about to change. I can sense that. And I was like, shit. Yeah. Like I'm about to be a dad. Um, but yeah, like, so we, we had that kind of that shoot around that time. And then, yeah, I got home on like, like I say the 4th of October, very, you know, tired, very hungover. Um, and then early hours of like that morning, my wife then went into labor. It was like, wow, the baby must've known. Yeah. It was, uh, it was pretty surreal really. <laughs> What a beautiful story. That's amazing, man. What a, what a moment in your life. It starts with alcohol and ends with, <laughs> with fatherhood. As all, as all fatherhood. good stands do, right? Probably, probably just going to say, probably, yeah, yeah. Um, recurring theme. <laughs> hey, listen, I want to get into this real quick uh, before we chat about your your awesome podcast. Um, so, Jesse, I had Gadget on my show a couple, few years back. and um, so I know. I don't know if you know this, but the the lady that he has the romantic affair with, Trudy, is actually Stephen Graham's real life wife. Yeah, Hannah. Yeah. Oh my God! No, Hannah. I did know that. I did know that. Yeah, I did know that. Which is which is crazy. <laughs> it <laughs> is. Um, and going back to that kind of thing, like you were saying, where um, is it scary when Stephen <laughs> changes on set? It's even more scarier. <laughs> Ten minutes before you're about to do a sort of semi naked scene with his wife, he calls you up. You see Stephen Graham flash up, you answer it, and he's like, don't be fucking looking where you don't need to be looking, lad, right? And I'm like, <laughs> obviously oh. winding up, but genuinely meant it. Oh, my God. <laughs> Keep your eyes. <laughs> Keep your eyes up. Fucking brilliant, um, man. She's amazing. His wife, you know, they always say, brilliant. like, behind every great man is a great woman, and um you know she is not only an amazing actor but just an amazing human being like when i went and spent the day at their house her energy and, and her just aura she's such a positive beautiful wonderful wonderful human being isn't she yeah she is and 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 you what know again, it's, it's yeah and it's no secret i know steven spoke about it before like you know hannah very much um reads every script and 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 sort of guides steven and Jesus Christ, she she's doing a great job. You know, she she's she's 
you know, just, yeah, yeah. And she's an incredible actor as well. You know, and to work with her as a comedy actor, she's amazing. You know, as a dramatic actor, she's amazing. She's, yeah, she's incredible. I love Hannah. And yeah. Steve, they're great. They're great. Power couple. <laughs> it's amazing. I mean, just what a, what a blessed experience. And I think what TV offers that film doesn't is, you know, you get to not only evolve and, and develop the characters over so many years, but you get to evolve these friendships, which usually when you do a film, it's, you know, maybe a year at the most. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. With, with what you've had, you know, there's a couple of other rare instances, like, say, a Game of Thrones or, you know, a show that goes on, but it's nowhere near as intimate. Um, I think what you had with that whole This Is England project from start to end was so unique and so special. And I remember seeing all the pictures of all of you at um, Thomas's wedding on New Year's yeah. a couple of years back and, you know, just all the cast there. And like those ties, those bonds, <clears throat> it's, I mean, it's, it's you know, Jesse can relate. It's like being in a band, but the band is like twice the size of Slipknot. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, and you're all best mates. Beautiful. Yeah, well, Pro- like, and probably more functional too. Yeah, yeah. Way, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. We've had our time. Um, but again, I think, you know, uh, This Is England was always meant to be just a film. It was always meant to be this this one little project. Um, and the fact that it became a TV series was exactly that. You know, sadly, a, a couple of months after we shot the film, um, Tomo lost his mum, Sharon. Um, and we all turned up. We all got in a minibus from Nottingham went to her funeral and supported him and shane said a few times it was kind of on that minibus where he was like i can't let these guys not carry on for a little bit because we did become like you say it was it was very different a lot and you know to a lot of jobs i've done to a lot of jobs that i know other people have done you know that that wouldn't happen you know we we went there not because you know nobody nobody knew who we were at that point the film wasn't out or anything like it wasn't like a you know, anything like that. We went there because we loved Tomo and we loved his mum. She was on set quite a lot um, and we loved each other. And I think Shane's seen that and was like, there's there's more stories to be told here with these guys, you know. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's strange. It is a strange relationship that we all have. We are a family, you know what I mean? Tomo was um, one of my groomsmen at, at, when I got married didn't return the favour with me at his wedding, but I was there. I was there. It was nice. He had an hypnotist. <laughs> how how beautiful that out of something so sad and tragic came you know something that touched the world in so many ways yeah, yeah man yeah and it, yeah you know sharon you know sharon was great she she you know i remember um uh sort of at base when we were shooting the film her seeing some of the rushes someone had edited a few it was the kind of hunting scene where we're all dressed up and and, and a few other ones um, I'd edited them together as, as kind of rushes for Shane to watch and I remember kind of watching it with her and Tomo and just just seeing her face as she's you know seeing this this the son doing something that again mm. you know the, the place where Tomo's from you know not a lot of people do that kind of stuff um so yeah it was amazing man it was amazing yeah yeah I think it's, it's, I that's what it does that's what that's why though I think you know, I can speak from my because I lo- I watch films and TV shows all the time when I'm on the tour bus. That's my way to decompress. That's my way to escape. You know, if I don't want to go out and, and party and drink, I want to take care of myself. I'm in my bunk watching films. Mm-hmm. Matt and I talk about films a lot. And I think that's why that series above a lot of things that I've watched. And, I, you know, I've gotten attached to a bunch of little 
series and you become obsessed and you rewatch them like you know for me it's like the mighty boosh is another british television that I, i'm obsessed with i watch over and over again i yeah. feel like they're my friends but i think it's because of, there was so much realness going on between all of you that that chemistry can't you can't duplicate that with just actors who are professionals who are told to do a certain thing and are masters of their craft it would be good, but it wouldn't be the same thing. I think that comes through on the screen. And then as a nice segue into your podcast, <laughs> um, listening to your podcast is the same thing. I feel like I get to hang out with you and, and, and Thomas. Oh, and then, nice. you know, you talking about stuff with This Is England, talking about your real life, and it all kind of comes together. You know, I was in the kitchen yesterday making dinner for my lady and just had your podcast on and I'm just there chuckling. And then I'm like thinking about these things I hadn't thought about. And you're talking about, um, you know, going to the, to the spa and, and people oh, like, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm loving, it. I'm like, why have I not listened to this podcast? It's so fucking good. Cause it's just you, you guys hanging out, but it's so good. There's the chemistry is still there with that podcast. But I mean, that's the thing. Like it's, I guess it is chemistry. I, I love Thomas. Like I do genuinely see him as it's weird calling him Thomas. Um, <laughs> I, I I do genuinely love him like a brother. You know what I mean? And 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 I know he he the same with me. And you know the podcast came came the idea came from the fact that uh, we were out drinking one time, and I think we were DJing, and um, we were just and I loved podcasts at the time. It was like kind of 2018, 19. I was listening to a lot, and I was like, oh, I'd love to do this, and um. I'm not a big soccer fan and like that's like heresy being British being a Mancunian and mm. not being a soccer fan is like and calling it soccer um yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know that's like heresy and um yeah. I remember sort of me and Tomo got onto the the kind of you know chat about football or something and I was like I just I can't I just find it very overrated man I just don't get I understand I'll watch the odd game and I'll be like oh that was fun like people devoting their lives to it, people fighting each other yeah. for it, people like, you know, not letting. Like my dad is very much a, a a big one of them people, and like he's he's a Manchester City fan. Like growing up, we weren't allowed red cars, hmm. we weren't allowed like someone because could go. Of United. He's a red car for free, and he would be like, no, not driving a red car. You know, we weren't allowed. Yeah, I'm I'm a Manchester United fan. In, you know quotation marks oh I um, bet that probably just to annoy my dad <laughs> I, I think it did i think it was probably just to annoy him and again growing up in the 90s you're gonna go manchester united over manchester city it's you know again it's it was a global brand in the same way like i'm a chicago bulls fan i've not watched much chicago. i've not watched much uh, do you know <laughs> um but yeah and it just kind of came from that like i was sort of like you know i just don't find it it's just overrated i think it's just, and we were chatting about it and I was like, there's there's the podcast, man. Like, let's just get people on to moan because, <laughs> you know, we all love to kind of bitch and moan about stuff, about something that everybody else seems to get that they're just like, I don't I don't get where where the love of this comes from. Um, and it's great, you know, and, 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 you know, thank you again for the for the lovely words, uh, Jesse. But yeah, like that's one of the, the, the kind of comments that people put a lot of the time. They're like it feels like I'm in the pub with you guys just chatting, and that's the kind of vibe that we want. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of great podcasts out there. You know, this this one included. Um, that that all do 
you know, things differently and do them well. Um, and we're not, me and Tomo aren't um, presenters or, or hosts. You know, we don't want to sit and kind of interview people. We do a little bit of that. Like we chat about work and stuff if it comes along. But we just want to, yeah, we just want to riff on summit. And the overrated thing is, if anything, it's just an icebreaker. Because, you know, Michael Soccer, for instance, the podcast that he just mentioned, he comes on and his subject is spa days. But we only up probably speak, speak up about speak that. And upspeak, yeah. <laughs> Which I feel like I might have done quite a bit on this podcast. I love it. I fucking um, love it. It's so funny. But <laughs> it, it's probably only spoken about for like a small percentage of it. And then yeah. we'll just chat about whatever, you know, kind of comes along really. Um, but it's good fun, man. I just enjoy, you know, we did a lot of these kind of, kind of, podcast sort of scenarios through covid mm. and we did a whole series where we were um behind laptops hiding away from from covid and stuff as as a lot of people did um and that's amazing and the guests that we were getting through that like you know we were getting people on that we could never dream of getting on because of schedules and stuff but everyone was sat at home doing the same thing so it was great but we were really itching to get back just meeting people because again we just we love chatting and we want to be there we want to be meeting these people and you know being there in the flesh nothing um, beats it man like obviously me and jesse are in different countries so yeah by it's that, hard to do <laughs> by that nature we have to do it this way but you know with my show like before covid i would do all of them in person um and you can't beat that energy that you have in the room when you're together um you know it's, and it's just that much more intimate and exciting and and especially you know with with what you do with thomas i imagine it's an excuse for the pair of you to go on road trips and hang out and that's a big exactly, part of the yeah. whole draw like with me yeah, and jesse exactly. doing this show a big part of it is getting to hang out with each other and i love that about having a co-host as it's like oh i'm gonna get to see my mate today yeah like it's great like you know um for for this series that we're doing now and very much series one because series one we kind of we were just hitting the road and trying to get to people and that creates it. So that's great. But then it kind of creates its own problems. You know, it's fine if you're sort of asking Stephen, who we know if we can come around his house and record a podcast. Um, but I remember speaking to like a comedian called James Acaster and he was like, well, really up for it. And then I was like, but we, you know, we come around your house and we record it. And he was like, Oh, I don't know. actually. And fair play. Like I'd be a bit like, Oh, okay. That's a bit strange. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Thomas, um, Thomas did that with me. I came up to Grimsby to record with him and he was like, I don't really want you coming around my house. Can we do it in my car? And I was like, <laughs> I remember that's that. Fine. So we went out for fish and chips and then we just sat in his car, baking hot day, sweating balls um, and, and had a great chat. But you know, again, you understand it. Don't you got to respect it's, it. It's, yeah. Yeah. So what we've done with, with series, three is you know I, i've got like a, a a production company um and i was like let's merge the two like me and thomas tomo thomas ah oh. me and tomo <laughs> so was our like, fault tomo, yeah, tomo, tomo, me and tomo <laughs> were, were really itching to to get the the podcast going again um but doing it properly this time and getting it filmed and and you know we had a few issues with them early episodes with the audio but we're kind of working through them now but just getting it done a little bit proper and giving it a good go this time because it's hard you know like work gets in the way sometimes life gets in the way and that's a that's one of the downsides i guess of having a co-host is if it's just your schedule you kind of can work it but then when you've got you know thomas turgoose bloody voice of sky 
Mm-hmm. You're like, you're, you're not free, are you, Tomo? You're advertising Sky Broadband or whatever. Well, he's obviously <laughs> recently become a parent as well. I guess recently, a couple of years now. So you're both dads as well. Exactly. So there's real life as well as, you know, if we get a job. And that's what kind of kind of stopped us doing the first series. Like we both got jobs. And then the second series, we were doing it through COVID and we would have carried on. But it 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 was at that point where it was enjoyable and then it just became everything that we were doing and mm-hmm. we were like oh we're not we're not spending time obviously no one was spending time together but we're not like just chatting as friends we're only meeting up to do this and it's felt you know where now again it's nice because uh how we're kind of doing it is is tomo will come to manchester we'll shoot a day in the studio he'll then like stay over at my house like um last time he came like my, my little girls just started to dabble with acting and we helped her with a self-tape um, oh, amazing, and that was amazing man. for her to be like Tomo helping over self tape. That's the um, stuff of life, right there, dude. What a beautiful full circle moment. Yeah, it was great. And then we obviously we went to the pub, and then we got up and did it again the next day. You know, it's it's nice. It's been it's yeah, it's an excuse to see each other and get drunk more than anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love that. that, and I think that um, you know, in the world of podcasts, you, know, you mentioned how every podcast is different. And I think the same thing with music. You know, like you're in a certain type of mood, you want to hear a certain type of podcast. And what I love about yours is, you know, I'm making dinner, I'm kicking about in the kitchen, just doing nothing and I have it on and it feels like I'm hanging out or at the pub. And I think that that is great because, you know, I've got different moods for different podcasts. I listen to tons of different podcasts, but now I I know like yours sits right. It's like, I don't have to think too much about it. I can have a laugh. I can maybe think about some stuff, but it's not intense, you know, because I listen to some stuff that's like intense, whether it be crime or like cryptozoology or aliens or yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. so you know i love that about your podcast it's something that it's just it's almost like a cozy thing just like being around with your pals in a pub love it i think it's great yeah that's that's the ethos man and it's you know it it, it it's hopefully working <laughs> I, mean, I, think, I think it's great you've got some great episodes already i loved loved the shay meadows one because you don't hear him on a lot of podcasts or indeed any so that one was amazing the Stephen one was amazing. Him going in on fine dining and talking yeah, about yeah. having to borrow the blazer from the waiter, <laughs> like just fucking hilarious stuff, man. Uh, so My favorite else? thing from that one was, um, again, this was the beauty of going to people's houses. Halfway through, he forgets the answer to something and just starts going, "Hannah, what? Where, what was that name?" Or whatever. And he's just, and you're like, "This is brilliant because you wouldn't get this in a studio. He can't." No, Hannah. no. I oh, do yeah. the one I the one I did round his house. He goes up to turn the washing machine off part of the way through, and um, <laughs> I, I had that actor Rich Break. If you know him, he's in a lot of the Rob Zombie films. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'd messaged him and been like, "Do you want to come on my show?" Here's he's been on, and he said the thing that made him want to say yes is he listened to the Stephen Graham episode, and he's like, "I just love the way you're in his kitchen," and he's fucking going in like the pantry to turn off the washing machine, <laughs> and Hannah comes in again halfway through, and she's like, "I love like," and it's just they're beautiful moments like that, and I yeah. always keep that stuff in. Like I never edit anything out of any of my shows that I do. I want it to be as accurate and real and transparent as it can be. Um, and yeah, man, you guys are onto a good thing. So, can you tease any upcoming guests with us? Um, so yeah, next next week's guest uh, is a good one. Um, we've got a few. Um, we've got some hopefully booked in. We might have Maxine Peak booked in. I'm going to say yeah. that now in hopes that somehow love she her. hears this or someone gives her a nudge. Um, love her. I'd love like I'm a massive sort of um lefty. 
Um, and I know, and and I know Maxine's like a a, a big sort of socialist and stuff. And and she's from Manchester, it. right? She's from yeah, she's yeah. from Manchester again. You know, working class girl. And I just I love her every. You know, again from Dinner Ladies. Uh, this might all go over your head, Jesse, but there's a brilliant series with the late comedian Victoria Wood, um, called Dinner Ladies, and it's about lunch ladies in a in a school cafeteria, um. And at the time, like Maxine's character was the big girl, you know, the funny big one. And I related to that as a kid. And yeah, I'd love to have her on. Um, yeah, we've got uh, we've got Sam Bottomley on the next episode, um, who's just just been nominated for um, best supporting actor at the Baftas. So that's going to be exciting. Um, Dude, I yeah, tell man. you who I think is fucking amazing is that guy Barry Keogh. He is killing yes, it. He is. At the he moment. is. His performance yeah. in the Banshees of Inishira, or however you pronounce it, is one of the best, you know, performances from a young actor I've seen in in several years. Yeah, um, the moment ev- where he's... everything he's been in is just he's incredible. He's like he's like pretty method, isn't he? Like Dustin Hoffman style. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the moment where he stood around that lake and he's sort of asking um, the 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 lady out, and you, as soon as she rejects him. There's something in his face, in in you that goes, he's not going to handle that well. And then, then I don't want to do any spoilers, but like, yeah, like he's, yeah, he's amazing. I'd love to have him on. And again, he's from, you know, I know I've I've read things where he, I think he grew up in care, didn't he, and, and stuff like that. So, an orphan kid, yeah, 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 man, such a, and and just applied for a job in a newspaper, an mm-hmm. acting job, and now you know, amazing man, such a great story. And what's I want to know what film hates. again. What's the name uh, of that film? She's Vinnie Sheeran. It's the new. Um, what's it's the, on like Disney Plus. What's the director called? He's done a. He just. He's done like Seven Psychopaths. He Jesse did and In Bruges, didn't he? In Bruges. Same. All his films are Why amazing. His name got out of my head. Yeah. Martin something. I think it is. But I'll yeah, I'll, I'll send you a list of his films, Jesse. It's fucking. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to have some new stuff to binge on. <laughs> it's very good. It's it's very. Um, I'm like of irish descent and and it's very irish and really you know the jokes are just so when they land they land so perfectly well but then <laughs> the, the drama is amazing as well yeah great i film. love it i'm into it well dude i guess we better let you go because it's tapping into your friday evening no doubt you'll be getting the dinner on soon i've got a night off tonight of the children have you? so amazing yeah. oh yeah. what are you up to my then? mom's got them we just, I mean, my wife's were, were due our third in um, wow. July. Yeah. So nothing crazy. No, you know, we'd normally, you know, go and, you know, paint the town. <laughs> um, but I'm just going to, yeah, we might just get a takeaway. And uh, hopefully she's got a series to binge and I'm going to probably jump on the Xbox for a bit. <laughs> Love it, mate. Amazing, dude. Well, dude, I'm, I'm so happy for everything that you have in your life. You know, you're, you're just such a positive and, and, and lovely dude. Oh, I'm really you, grateful that we're friends and, you know, I always enjoy seeing you. It was great seeing you just before Christmas at that gig in Birmingham. It was good a good times. night. Yeah, it good was, night, wasn't yeah. it? Larry yeah. crowds. Jesse, it was a crazy crowd. He went out to like tell the crowds he's going to be DJing an after party after the show. And they were just <laughs> chanting over everything he was saying. So, <laughs> so he just goes, fucking animals, flips them off. And <laughs> I love it. So good. But yeah, it's always a pleasure, Andy. Always a pleasure, mate. And oh, thank thanks you. for having us, guys. It was it was lovely to uh, to be back on, Matt, and lovely to meet Jesse, man. Yeah. Yeah, it was honestly a a, a bigger honor than I'll lead on. I was sort oh, of <laughs> uh, holding back my fanboyism, but um, 
it just what what the work you've done really affected me on a deep level it, it comforted me it gave me a sense of uh just again having friends in a dark and there's a backstory to this but it was a very dark time in my life so I, that this is England will stand forever as one of my favorite things um and that and i would say the next time i'm over the uk if i have any free time uh love to meet at a pub listen to some hip-hop music like whatever yeah, just man. just be regular guys you know you and tamo or whatever whoever is in the area but matt and i are overdue uh for something so at some point when the schedule allows you know we we definitely want to meet and hang out in person and if we ever 100%. do it in if we ever do in-person podcasting over in the uk you got to be part of it oh mate yeah i'd love to be i'd love to be in, and going off what you said there about you know watching this is england in, in a a bad a dark time man like that 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 makes it worth it like do you know what i mean what i do i love you know this that's that's what you know makes it worth it man thank you for you know thank you i've, I've really yeah. enjoyed this i've really yeah. enjoyed this right on brother and i'll be listening to your podcast man Still cheers dude cheers thank you and i'll All listen right, to brother this. <laughs> yeah <laughs> overrated everything guys. we'll link it up we'll get this episode up on sunday as well mate so we'll get you all the links on that when it's up and uh yeah, dude. And when Killswitch are over in, in, you know, whenever they're over here, if there's a Manchester date, we will come and see you in Salo. Yeah, oh, that'd definitely. Be incredible. Definitely. <laughs> or anywhere in the UK, mate. It's only small. We'll get yeah, there. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. That's the beauty of it. All right, dude. Well, listen, yeah. enjoy your Friday night off. Good luck with the upcoming landing of number three. I know. And uh, yeah, man, yeah, just keep being you and, and keep putting out what you put out into the world, mate. The light and the love that you share is appreciated by many including oh, myself. Thank you, boys. Thank you very much. Lovely to, to see All you. Right, brother. See you later. All nice right, one, Andy. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.